Hello, you are listening to Germantown Community Radio, WRGU 92.9 FM. Welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show, a weekly radio program that spotlights positive real estate development and neighborhood revitalization throughout Philadelphia. I'm your host, Derek Hengemill. Jumpstart Philly is a unique community development program that trains, mentors, networks, and provides funding to aspiring real estate developers in seven different Philadelphia neighborhoods, including Germantown, where the program was founded. Jumpstart believes that you can do well by doing good and focuses on removing neighborhood blight, scattered site rehab, creating a healthy mix of affordable and market rate housing, and avoiding gentrification through slow, steady growth and keeping wealth local. Interviews are conducted during Jumpstart Germantown's weekly Jumpinar series on Monday nights at 7 p.m. held via Zoom webinar. For more information about these events, check out the events page at jumpstartgermantown.com. This week, I'm speaking with an investor named Matt Wall about property management and the differences between doing it yourself and contracting out. I hope you enjoy our conversation, and be sure to check out the podcast version of this program at jumpstartgermantown.com media, or wherever else you can find podcasts. And Matt Wall has been investing in the greater Philadelphia area since 2011. He has experience with flips and rentals, and his main focus is rentals. He currently owns 21 rental properties in Philly, all while still being employed as a teacher. Creating systems and hiring out has been a key to the time management required to maintain a full-time job and efficiently operate rental properties. So without further ado, Matt, thanks so much for joining me tonight. I'm happy to be here. So so why don't you get started by just telling me about why you're the one that's telling us about property management? <laughs> yeah, uh, and I guess over the past uh, nine years of investing, you know, I've I've been forced into learning some things just because, just out of necessity. Uh, if I wanted to keep acquiring property, I had to learn how to, uh, you know, set things up where I could still maintain my job because I, I didn't have enough income from the properties yet. Because you're not going to get rich off one. And I guess the reason I got involved with Jumpstart was I had heard uh, Ken Weinstein's name thrown around a little bit before, and then he spoke at a, uh, a diversified investor groups meeting. And I just wanted to be a part of his, whatever he was doing. And they had the, uh, the jumpstart program, which I wanted to join, but I realized I was told I had too much experience, but they needed mentors. So I jumped in that way. And, you know, however I can help out is, is what I want to do because this is, you know, what I'm, what I enjoy doing. Awesome. And, and you're still mentoring. So I'm sure you, received yeah, yeah, yeah. so you received a few mentees after our, our huge class of 100, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I had like uh, somewhere between two and four, uh, recently, uh, added cool. on. I, I'm sure people in the call, you know, know how valuable mentorship is in, in this sort of, um, industry. So, so thank you for, for your work and, and I'm sure you, you know, you're doing a great job. So, so thank yeah. you. Um, so now I just kind of want to talk about like where you actually gain the experience in property management. Um, so, so maybe you can tell me about when you first started, you know, or, or you know, yeah, so I'll, uh, I first started, bought my first property in 2011. I moved into it in 2012. And at that point I just rented out rooms to uh, my now wife and friends. Uh, and then while living there, I bought another property and I didn't have the, the know-how or the, the personality really to manage it. I got, even though I'm a teacher at the time, I didn't have like, if I had to be in charge of like a, uh, a rowdy class, I was not the one that was going to do a good job. Like I, I had to make changes myself over time. But in the beginning, I hired a property manager because I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And 
I guess we got to a point where the property manager and my tenant were always button heads mm-hmm. to the point where the tenant and the tenant had been, had always done right by me. Like she always paid, she always, you know, did what she needed to do. And I had to make a choice, you know, between finding a new tenant because she was going to leave or getting rid of the property manager. And I'd been told by a number of other seasoned investors, like, look, you got to learn how to manage your own property. So I figured out now was as good a time as ever. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of almost not forced into it, but, you know, I jumped in and did a little trial by fire. And, you know, over time, as I started collecting more properties, I had to learn better ways, better ways to install systems so that I could manage my own time. I mean, I got into investing in the first place because I have a very strong desire not to work. <laughs> uh, you know, I want my free time. I want to go out and, and enjoy life. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and I realized if I can get rid of this nine to five, that'll, uh, that, that's the way to do it. And so real estate was the way to, is the way is my path to doing this. And learning how to manage those properties is, is the way it's, it's, it's going to, it's going to work for me. Um, so, so have you been full-time teaching since you, you started uh, with real yeah. estate? Yeah. 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 Right. That, that, that's incredibly impressive. And I'm, I'm sure anybody, you know, anybody knows how, how important time management and making sure that you're covering those bases is. Yeah. You. <laughs> yeah. Uh, excuse me one second. I just got to grab one thing. Yeah. No problem. No problem. Sorry about that. No, you're good. Sorry. I got little kids yelling upstairs at a <laughs> okay, <don't laughs> bedtime you know they don't want to go to bed yeah that that adds on to your time management skills <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly exactly proof is in the pudding yeah um, okay so so you know I'm, I'm sure everybody in the call has pretty good i pretty good understanding or maybe has even dabbled in property management but maybe for, for anybody who doesn't you can just give me you know what what falls under the umbrella of property management sure. what, uh, what activities does that encompass yeah there are there's four main activities once you have your property out there and ready to rent. Now there's a whole lot that goes into fixing it up and deciding how to price it and all that. But let's say you've got it up, it's advertised. Uh, you're gonna, you have the intake. There's basically four main parts. You have intake, you've got managing repairs, you've got managing the tenants, and then keeping current with all the, the laws and regulations that go along with it. Mm-hmm. And for the intake, that's advertising and that's screening. For managing repairs, it's you know, having your team of, of handymen or mechanics or whoever, whatever you need that will respond to you in a timely manner and get to your properties in a timely manner. Mm-hmm. And then managing your tenants, you know, it's, you got, you need to implement your rules and use your system and ensure that tenants follow it. Cause mm-hmm. if they're not going to follow your system, you're not going to be as effective as a, as an owner, as a landlord, and you're not going to provide them with as good of a product. If you want them to email you or use the, whatever online system you're using, if you want if, for maintenance requests and they're calling you and send you text messages and you're going to, and you're going to allow that to happen. What's going to happen is things are going to slip through the cracks because it's not going into your system the way it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then you're not going to get to you You might forget to respond or it might not get into your system where it needs to. And then, you know, you don't make that repair. Now you got an angry tenant being like, you know, I've, I've been calling about this. Mm-hmm. this leaking pipe and he's not fixing it, I'm going to go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you get them to follow your system, things are going to work more smoothly for you and they're going to work more smoothly for them. Mm-hmm. So, so this system that you're talking about, it kind of sounds like it's like the infrastructure of how, you know. Yeah. You're- yeah. And initially, so when I started, I was, 
doing everything, you know, I would get phone calls. Uh, I was collecting at that time. I think, I, I think I was still collecting paper checks. So then I was having to take the checks to the bank. Then I started using Venmo, which I'm going to tell you right now, don't do it. It's, it's, it's easy at first, but when you have more properties or the moment you have tenants that are start giving you partial payments or late payments, it's not an effective way to manage it. So I was using a combination of Venmo and Excel. So the money would come into Venmo, which is um, Venmo is like uh, PayPal or Zelle or any of these other, you know, App, app I think is another one, right? Yeah. Basically a way, a way from the way to pay other people. And what was good about it is I didn't have to go to the bank anymore, but what was bad is, okay, I get a payment in. Now I have to go into Venmo, manually transfer it to my bank. Then I have to go into my Excel spreadsheet where I kept everything organized and update who paid when. And I realized when this wasn't working anymore. At that time, I didn't have a whole lot of properties, but I had a slow pay, partial pay, no pay tenant mm -hmm. that I was working with. But it got to the point where I didn't even know where they stood. Like I would go back because every once in a while they're like, how much do we owe? And I'd have to go back and I would waste all this time on them. And I was like, one, I made two decisions. One, I'm wasting too much time on you to not pay me regularly and two i need to find a better system so that this doesn't happen to me again mm -hmm. uh, so all the all these systems that you're talking about and kind of you know your staff of repairmen and your staff of um you know payment systems all that is you set that up before you sell the property or is that something you can do you know or, or sell or rent the property you know what where does that implementation I feel you already have it ready to go before you're renting the property out however as you're and you're going to hear me say this a lot. As you're progressing through this, you need to constantly be looking for ways to improve your system to make your life better and make mm -hmm. the tenant's experience better. Mm -hmm. So periodically, I had to change my whatever system I was using, whether it was paper checks, paying through Venmo, mm -hmm. or using an online property management system. Mm -hmm. And when I would switch it, I would just let all the tenants know, hey, look, we're making a switch. Next month, you're going to be paying through this. You're going to submit repairs here. And, you know, it, it, for the most part, it wasn't a problem. The tenants understood, okay, we're just changing the way that we pay. Sometimes I had to give some instructions, especially for some of my uh, older, not so technologically savvy tenants, mm -hmm. but they've all, they all get on board with it and they, they're happy with it once they get used to it. Cool. And I'm sure it's easier when you can convince them that it's going to be easier for them. <laughs> that, yeah. Them yeah. 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 In fact, the one, one of my older tenants didn't want to do anything like this. And then she got, she was super excited. Like, Oh, I don't have to pay for a stamp. That's <laughs> oh, I don't have to go out and get envelopes. I don't got to write checks. This is actually, I, I like this better. She fought me at first over it, but then once she got used to it, it was, you know, sometimes people don't like to change. It, cool. You know, I'm just like that, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so before we get ahead of, ahead of ourselves, cause I think we're kind of going into the DIY options and the sort of tweaks you can make yourself. Um, what, what options do you have for employing property management? You know, obviously yeah. from our, from our yeah. second title, it's DIY or contract, yeah, out. contract out. Yeah. So there, you can hire a full on property manager that's going to take care of everything for you. The only thing that you're pretty much going to, you're always going to have to deal with the, the rental licenses and making sure you're up to date on the laws. There are probably property management companies out there that might take over that for you, mm -hmm. but it, it, it's, I didn't find one that did when I went through my interview process mm -hmm. and I feel like you got to make, you got to stay on top of that just to stay legal and you need to stay legal in case you need to evict. And on the off chance that someone tries not to pay, 
you need to make sure you have all your ducks in a row. Like, nope, we, we checked all the boxes that we needed to check in this city, which in this case is Philadelphia, but in some of the local townships, you can't legally collect rent unless you are doing everything by the book. So you got to kind of keep that in-house, although it would be nice to get rid of that because that's a royal pain to deal with, especially in Philadelphia where they're coming out with new laws all the time. Now, as far as hiring out, you can have a property manager that's going to find the tenant, place the tenant for you, and then manage all the repairs and manage all the tenants afterwards. Some uh, will either, you can choose how involved you want to be. Where you, some people I know that hire property managers still do their own screening because they want to make sure that the person they pick is the best possible person and they don't trust anybody else to do it. Mm-hmm. Some property managers will uh, hire a realtor to do it. And we'll get to that in a second. And then the other option is where you hire, hire somebody to find the tenants for you. And then once they're in place, you manage them yourself. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, there's, a high, there's a couple hybrid models and then there's one where you just hire the whole thing out. For me personally, I hired the whole thing out because time was a factor for me uh, with having my, my teaching job, which it was nice because I, you know, in the afternoons, school's over. I still got a few hours before five o'clock hits. Mm-hmm. I can go run and, and run around to my properties or go look for new properties. Mm-hmm. Now, as an investor, my role is to find new properties and buy them, get them fixed up. I'm, my, my job is to organize that. Mm-hmm. I found when I got, someone told me a long time ago, once you get to 10 properties, that's when you're going to have trouble managing them all. Mm-hmm. And it might be time to hire out. Okay. I got to 13 before that happened to me. And looking back at it, my system wasn't as good as it could have been. And I already see where I could have made fixes, adjustments in my system where I could have maintained it. All that said, I'm happy that I did it. It was an expense I knew I was going to have to incur at some point. I'm glad I did it when I did because it got my time back to go and find more properties. Right. So, so now you, you said like somebody told you that 10 properties was that breaking point where it usually falls over. So um, when you make that switch, you know, are you going in totality saying all those 10 properties are going to move to this property management company or do you? Do uh, yeah, I did. I did. Uh, the more properties you have, the more money the property management company is going to make. Mm-hmm. And so the better deal they're going to cut with you. Typically you're going to see between eight and 12% of the gross rents, the property management team is going to, is going to charge you to manage the properties. Mm-hmm. If you have more properties, you're going to get a, you're going to get down by the 8%. If you have less, you might be up at 10 or 12. Right. And then, so, okay. Yeah. I think you answered my question at the end there. Um, okay. So, so, you know, you set up the two options, you know, DIY and, and contract out and you set up the point when you switch over. Um, is it, is it a hard switch over or is there like a transitional period? And I kind of just asked you that, but, um, yeah, it basically took about a month, maybe okay. a month and a half, um, to, to transfer it all. Basically I, you know, notified all my tenants said, Hey, look, you're going to be receiving contact either by email or by phone from my, from my, from this company. They're going to be my new property management company. And I even explained to them, look, the reason why I'm doing this, cause I had a somewhat a positive relationship with most of my tenants, uh, the reason why I'm doing this is because I'm not doing a good, good enough job responding to your uh, maintenance requests. And I, so I got to hire somebody else out to do it because I'm not doing a good enough job myself. Sure. So they were all, they were on, they were okay with it. Cool. 
Um, so, so what's the learning curve look like on the property management uh, company side? You know, I'm sure if you've had these properties and you've been managing them for X amount of years, you know, you probably get to know them pretty well and you have some, some insights about not the, not only the tenants, but the properties themselves. Do you have to convey that to the property management? Company? Uh, yeah. I mean, if there's something, if there, if you have anything quirky that goes on in your houses, you know, like, Oh, Hey, this is something you need to you know consider for the most part. Let's put it this way. I did it about a year and a half ago. I can't remember having to worry about that. I know there was a couple doors I had where like there were some locks that we just, that we didn't use, right. which in reality, when I'm rehabbing these properties that I usually eliminate all that nonsense to begin with, but the particular lock on this one door uh, didn't work and I couldn't find a replacement for it. So there was another lock in there that, you know, to replace. So that was one of the w- only weird things that I really came into, that came into play. Uh, I would also give a little bit of background on the tenants so they knew what to expect. And, uh, but for the most part, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. I had one tenant that would battle with, with them at first because she was the original, she was my original tenant. Mm-hmm. And so she heard I was going to property management. She was not happy because she hated the property manager the first time around. Mm-hmm. And she did battle with my property management company. And they were like, yo, what's going on with this, with this lady? I was like, she'll be fine. She'll, right. she'll be mean and nasty at first, mm-hmm. but she'll, she's like my stubborn Italian grandmother. She'll be <laughs> all right as, as time goes on. And they've come to realize, and every once in a while, they'll get a nasty email from her for something mm-hmm. and, uh, for, for something that in her mind was wrong. But, when they see her in person, she's super nice to him and apologizes and, and smooths it over. Gotcha. Cool. So, so let's take a step back. Um, and we talked about the, you know, the switch and we'll get more into the property management company side of things, but, um, I just want to hear from you about what, what your tips and tricks are for somebody who's doing it themselves, you know, maybe their first five to 10 properties. And, yeah. Um, All right. So use property management software. It's going to, that's going to help you out with your organization. It's fighting and it, you know, whatever you have a system, get your system lined up and stick to it and make sure, ensure that the tenants follow your system. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at a variety of, there's a variety of, of property management software out there and there's some that are free. There's some that you can pay for. I don't know if Zillow has one or not. Um, I can't remember if they, I think they do now. It's not when I, at the time, when I was shopping around, it wasn't, I mean, it was a great place to advertise, mm-hmm. but for managing the, managing the properties, it didn't really, didn't have anything there. Cozy is what I used and I found that one to be great. We tried to keep Cozy when uh, I hired the property manager. The problem with Cozy is if you have, he, it didn't work well with his system because he was managing other people's properties and it didn't, mesh well with what he was doing. So he switched it into Buildium, which is another property management software uh, website. And there's a, there's a few more out there. If you're by your, if you're doing a, if you're doing it just for yourself, Cozy's great because it's all your properties. You can even set up. Um, so if you own multiple LLCs or if you have some in your name and some in an LLC, you can direct the payments to go to different bank accounts. So, and you don't have to, like, when the payments come in, you don't have to transfer it. It gets transferred automatically. Uh, automatic late fees get applied if you want to. Uh, maintenance requests can be done through Cozy. So this way there's a written record. And that was where I messed up. I was still 
taking phone calls and text messages from my tenants. Mm-hmm. And then I'd get, I'd get the, the text message. I would shoot a text message to whichever mechanic I needed. If it was my roofer, if it was my plumber or whoever, and then they'd go take care of it. Sometimes, you know, I'd get the text when I was out with uh, friends or family or if I was driving, I'd see it. I'm like, okay. And then I'd like, I'll deal with that later. And then I'd forget about it because it's a text message and they get lost. Mm-hmm. I should have set them up in cozy to say, no, you have to submit maintenance requests through the right. system. So the property management software cuts out that middle, that middle step. It, it yeah. Just, yeah. That property management software is invaluable. You, you can, you can, like I, when, uh, it's actually Dave Van Horn, who I don't know if any of you guys know him, but he's, a rather a big time investor where he told me that he was the one who said, you know, when you get, you got to, you got to do it until you get to 10 and then hire out with the property management software that's available. Now you could probably go significantly higher hmm. with, with the, what you, with what you can manage just because of all this, it's all this stuff has done has been automated for you. So you don't have, like it sends reminder emails, like oh, payments come and do. You can even set up where it's uh, where it auto deducts. There's a lot of things you can do with it. If you're just tuning in, this is an interview with an investor named Matt Wall about property management and the differences between doing it yourself and contracting out. Thank you for listening to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show on Germantown Community Radio, WRGU 92.9 FM. I hope you're enjoying the discussion. So, so what else? What, what other, you know? Other- uh, okay, so when you're advertising, you want to take professional pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I... I think my guy charges uh, 150 bucks. I've seen other guys out there that charge around the same where you get nice pictures of your place. Mm-hmm. And cause what you, you're trying to get as many people to come to take a look at your property. Cause you, the more people you have, the more applicants you're going to get and the better applicant you're going to get. If you have a nice property, you want to show it off at the same time. You don't want to lie in your pictures. I've had plenty of people come to my properties and say, Oh, this actually looks like the pictures. We were just at this other property and we got to the house. It didn't even look like the same house. Mm. And right. That's the, the first taste in their mouth they get when they walk into the property is, Oh, it didn't look like the pictures. And they're, you're not, they're not going to, they're not going to apply to your place. Mm-hmm. So take, take nice pictures, but make sure that they reflect what the property actually looks like. Um, but before we move on from that, um, we, we had a jump in our a few weeks ago on staging, um, and, and how important that was in, in you know, advertising the property. Is, is that something that you would take on? As I never felt the need to stage uh, when I would take my pictures. And I found that if it was priced right and I had nice pictures, I'd be inundated with, with requests to come see it. And that kind of all works like a funnel. You're going to get this many people that are going to kick the tire and say, I'm interested. Mm-hmm. This many people that are going to go through you know, actually set up an application or set up an appointment. This many people are going to apply and this many people are, you know, are going to follow through and respond to your questions. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, you're going to pick one. Uh, staging. It, it seemed like it was going to be more hassle than it was worth. Like, cause you got to one, you got to pay for it Two, You need to get the stuff in there. Then you need to get the stuff out for when the tenants move in. So I didn't think it was needed for what I was doing. And, cool. and so, so that we're all clear, I rent properties that are in uh, maybe the 800 to 1200 range. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them are in, I mean, there's, 
they're not they're not terrible neighbors. Well, some are in rough neighborhoods and some are in so-so neighborhoods. But I only, I only have one of that you would consider like a high-end one. But I won't I would don't even think that needed to be staged. Cool. Yeah, I, I appreciate your perspective on that because it, it's funny. <laughs> a few weeks ago, we had someone on here who was saying, stage, 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 you got a stage, you got a stage. But obviously, it's proven to be successful. For yeah, and then, now was that for renting or was that for selling properties? For sales, more, I think a, a little bit of both. Um, but but I think that the point still stands that there's plenty of ways to do it. You know, <laughs> you know pe- people make it on either side of it. Yeah, as long as you have good pictures, that's good. Uh, 3D tours got very popular, especially with uh, with when... Corona and the shutdown first hit and you couldn't get into properties. Having a 3d tour was mm-hmm. key. Mm-hmm. And so I've done that a couple times, but it's still good to have uh, just normal pictures as well. I haven't, I've had a few up since then, but I've done three to a tour, 3d tour twice. But then with the other times I've just, I just used the regular pictures that I already had when I had turnover. Uh, both are good. I don't think the staging is necessary. Uh, now jumping further into the most important part about property, about managing property, if you're going to do it yourself is before the tenant ever moves in, it's, it's screening your tenants. What I did was I used to call, I would, you know, put the advertisement out there and then I'd get emails through and I used Zillow and I know now you got to pay for it. It used to be free, but even with, with what you got to pay for it, it's not super expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would use Zillow because that hit the most places. Craigslist used to be the place to go for apartments and, or, you know, for rentals, mm-hmm. but Zillow kind of took over. There's some other ones out there that uh, like Truly and Hophead, they're all underneath Zillow's umbrella. When you, when you put it up on Zillow, it goes to Truly and Hophead's. They're Cozy, which is my management software, also advertises, but no one's going to Cozy mm-hmm. to, to go look for a property. But it also, Cozy propagates to Realtor.com as well. So every once in a while, I would get a lead from realtor.com. Is Redfin looped in with that? Because I know Redfin's another one that a lot of people use. To... Uh, I don't I don't remember. Okay. I, I, I'm sure it, something probably posts in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, I haven't done it now in a year and a half. Gotcha. But we've had enough success with Zillow was where almost all of our leads came from. And Ooh. that seemed to work the best. Ooh. So you were telling mm-hmm. me about, about the screening process. And the how screening you... process, yes. Yeah. So... You, are, you want to get as many applicants, many people as interested as possible, and then you want to find reasons why to disqualify them. Mm-hmm. And then when you find someone that you can't disqualify, you know you got somebody good. Mm-hmm. But you got to be screening the whole time. So what I do is I'll put the ad up, and then I'll go through what I used to do and then how I changed it. I would get a question about, hey, I'm interested, and then they leave a phone number. And then so at my lunch break, I'd go in my car and I'd be calling all these people back set up a, to ask him a few questions and then set up an, uh, a, a, uh, a showing. What I found was it took forever for me to call all these people back and half, I'd say more than half of those emails saying, Oh, I'm interested in the property, especially through Zillow where you just click a button that says, I'm interested, please reach out. They're just tire kickers. They're never, they were never going to do it in the first place. Mm-hmm. So then I started having them just email me and then I would email back 10 questions. And then I realized it was taking me a while to just respond to these emails. So then I set up a, an auto reply. Like basically when you go on vacation, you can say, oh, I'm out of the office. Mm-hmm. Except mine would say, hey, thank you for your interest in this property. Please answer these 10 questions and we'll set up a showing. Mm-hmm. And that eliminated a lot of people because some people wouldn't want to bother, wouldn't want to answer their questions. 
or they were just power kickers to begin with. Every once in a while, I get somebody answer one question and then reply back like, Hey, when can I get my show? I was like, you need to answer the 10 questions. If you can't follow the rules now, you're not going to follow the rules once you're inside. Right. Yeah. That sounds like a, a good middle ground of, you know, super easy to access and people can really readily easily apply. And then also yeah. only proven that people actually want the effort when they're going to take the time to read the 10 questions. And Yeah. And the 10 questions I need to know, like how much do you make? When do you want to move? Like if you want to move three months from now, this house is going to be gone before then. So, right. so those 10 questions are like the, the key aspect. Yeah, of- exactly. You're trying to get some, inf- you want to, you want to know, is this going to be a good fit right off the bat? And sometimes people don't make enough money and I got to say, Hey, look, this isn't going to work out. I can tell you right now, you're not going to qualify based on your income. Plus you're not going to be able to afford the rent. Uh, like I can't put you in that situation. Right. So, so just give me some numbers here. Like you mentioned that you want to get as many uh, applicants as you, as you possibly can, and then find reasons to, to disqualify them um, for like a typical row home in, in Germantown. How many applications would you be looking to get? I mean, obviously it's going to vary depending on the market, but yeah. Uh, talking like 10, 50, hundred uh, applicants. I'd, when it came down to actual applicants, I'd probably get five to 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, especially when the ones when I, as I got better with my rehabbing and like, I kind of, you'll notice like I started to make a system of that. Like my, my contractor who I used, mm-hmm. it got to the point where he didn't even ask me like what, what I wanted in there because he knew it's like, Oh, ca- always white cabinets, same mm-hmm. countertop, everything, same floors. Boom, boom, boom. It always looked the same. So it was easy for him. So he knew what he had, he knew what he was doing when he when he jumped into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I could get five to ten five to ten applicants, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Ten I rarely got. Usually I'd get three or four or five applicants, and then out of those, because you got you also got to consider where my properties are located aren't always the best of areas. So I'm not getting people with the highest credit scores. Right. So, but I, from what I'm picking from, if I could get somebody, you know, over five fifty, who showed that they're paying their bills, but they may have student loans or a, maybe they had a hiccup in the past. And then you can see it in the credit report. Like, okay, this person's paying their, their car loan. They're paying their, their phone bills. They're paying their utility bills. They're paying those monthly bills. There's a good chance they're going to pay me. Gotcha. If they're not paying those bills. That's when you want to, all right, on to the next one. Right. So, so tell me, you know, now that we're getting into actually getting people to apply, do you, or do you process application fees or do you, you know, what, what sorts of barriers do you like? Yeah. So the application fees, it used to be the, the landlord would charge you, you know, 25, 50 bucks mm-hmm. and you would, and the, land, and the landlord would actually receive the money from the tenant and then they'd go and use that money to pay for the, the, the credit and background check. Mm-hmm. Now that stuff's all online. So I direct them to a website. So there's actually three places that I found that do this. It was way more, way more than three, but there were three main ones that I was looking at. Cozy does it. Zillow does it. And the reason why it was nice that Zillow does it is that they've already put their information into Zillow. That's how they reached out to you. Mm-hmm. So they could easily do their credit and background check on that. And now you got it. Sometimes I'd get the credit and background check before they even saw the property. And I could tell them right off the bat, no, this isn't going to work. Or, oh, I got to find a time to get this person in because their credit score is over 600. I never see that. Um, then Cozy also does it. What's the nice part about Cozy is if they enter their information into Cozy to do the credit and background check and you select them, they're already in Cozy's system. It's a nice streamline to get them in. And then there is Rent Perfect. There's also tenantscreening.com, uh, the National Tenant Network. There's a variety of others out there. 
of the three that I used, I used Zillow, Cozy's, and uh, Rent Perfect. I liked Rent Perfect's the best because it looked like an actual credit score, mm -hmm. like an actual credit report. So it had raw data in there, but you had the most amount of information. Zillow and Cozy, while they were, they looked nicer, they were prettier. They didn't have as much of that information. They all pulled their information from the same spot, mm -hmm. but I was getting the raw data from, from the Rent Perfect, which once you figure out how to read it, it's not that bad. It, 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 it doesn't take a rocket science to figure, figure it out, but you can see like what the little acronyms, they'll have a legend for all the acronyms or all the initials uh, on the side for you. So you can get a better idea of how this person pays and, and, and what they're paying for. Cool. Great. Thanks, Matt. Um, so, so we have about, oh, sorry, but I, I never answered the question though. The, uh, the fees, right? So, oh, right, right. Yeah, so <laughs> you told me about yeah. how the fees were typically incorporated, but yeah, maybe you can. Yeah. So instead of them paying me, the application fee is charged by either Zillow, Cozy or Rent Perfect, whichever one is doing. I think Zillow was 30 bucks, Cozy was 40 and Rent Perfect was 35. Mm -hmm. I usually, I typically directed them to Rent Perfect and then they would just go on Rent Perfect's website and pay the fee and then their reports would get sent to me. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I would accept Zillow's if they had already done it. The nice part about Zillow and Cozy is chances are, if you're looking at apartments, you're looking at more than just one apartment. So mm -hmm. if you send in an application, if you uh, pay for a screening for uh, a, a house you know, down the street and either you don't get it, or you decide you don't want it, you don't have to pay for another credit and background check for my apartment. Or if you're looking at mine and you get rejected, hey, you can still use that same credit and background check. You don't have to pay for it again when you go to the next place and apply there. Right. Cool. Um, so, so before we, we move on and we're going to talk about, you know, the switch to, to property or to contracting out and, and all the benefits that come with that. Um, I just want to remind everybody that we're going to have a, a Q&A that's open to everybody who's attending. So if you want to type in any questions for Matt, you can use the Q&A um, box at the bottom of your Zoom screen here. And you can just type your questions and we'll, we'll um, get to them in probably about 10, 15 minutes. Um, so great. I, I don't know if you had any more quick tips you wanted to add for DIY contracting. Uh, yeah. 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 So I was too timid when I first started off. Mm -hmm. uh, if I had the and i've met other landlords who were even more timid than i was who were just afraid to you know say anything the tenant didn't want to hear and the tenants would walk all over them they they don't like, you if you don't you got to look at yourself and play to your strengths but if you got to learn how to say no and you got to learn how to make adjustments to your own to your to yourself like i was i was way too timid but i had to grow backbone and say no payments do you relate now you owe a late fee. Mm -hmm. And so you just got to get used to giving bad news. Mm -hmm. I think there's a famous book out there called Swallow That Frog, mm -hmm. where if you had, you know, if part of the things you had to do today was sw and swallow a frog was on your list of things to do, you really wouldn't want to do that. Knock that out first. Get, get rid of the bad foot conversations first. And, mm -hmm. you know, it took me a while. And, I, and even today, I'm still kind of soft sometimes where I'll, I'll let tenants get away with more than I should if they, uh, you know, because the, now they're going through the property manager, but they say, Hey, this tenant's asking for this. And sometimes I'm like, Hey, all right, go ahead. Right. But, you know, never underestimate the power of no. Mm -hmm. uh, for those of you who are teachers out there, if you've got good classroom management skills, you're going to be very good at this. In fact, my classroom management skills got much better <laughs> after becoming a landlord or because kids, they're like little velociraptors try, constantly trying to get out of the room. 
Yeah. yeah. Testing different ways. How, all right, what can I say to get out of the room? What can I say to get out of the room? And tenants do the same thing. What can I say to, to, you know, pay later or to get you to do this or, you know, do something else for me. And you got to know, you know, these are my rules and that's the rule and we're going to stick to it. Mm-hmm. Then on the flip side of that. So you always got to go look, refer back to the lease. They say, Hey, I, I want uh, this to happen. Or, you know, I got, I got mice I'm like, well, yeah, for the first 30 days, I'll take care of it. After that, it's on you. Mm-hmm. But if you've got a tenant that's been in there for a couple of years and they've never asked you for anything and they say, hey, look, I got a mouse problem. It's probably in your best interest to take care of it because it's going to that's going to look good on you. If they don't bother you for much. You know, a couple hundred bucks to get get rid of the mouse problem. Mm-hmm. They're going to look like, ah, oh, you know what? And remind them, hey, look, this is on you. However, we're going to take care of it for you. Because mm-hmm. think of it as advertising. It's going to be cheaper than having to turn it over if, you know, when they're at least uh, runs out, they decide, Oh, you know what? He didn't really help me out. I'm going to go down the street to the next house or, Oh, you know what? This guy's looking out for me. I'm going to stick with him. Cool. All right. So we're not running short on time, but we're, we're moving right along here. So I want to talk about contracting out and, you know, what that switch looks like. Say, you know, put yourself in the perspective. I mean, obviously you were in this, in this yeah. situation, so it should be so, easy, but you know, at, you've done 10 rehabs and you're like, pulling your hair out, managing all these tenants. What do you, where do you look? How do you get, how do you make the switch? All right. So you want to find uh, all the, so if you go into the, the, to the local investor groups like Hapco and dig, they advertise, uh, talk to other investors. Who, who do you know that does property management? And you're going to get a, a list of people. And some of them will be realtors and some of them will be property management firms. What, and then you're going to, create some questions for yourself. Like, all right, what do I want to know? Essentially what you're trying to figure out is what is their system? And do you think their system is going to be efficient? There's no way of knowing it for real until the time comes when they're actually managing and you get to see how quickly they respond to things. But what I did was I called all the different property management companies in the area. And sometimes it was a realtor and a realtor, you got to think a realtor's goals aren't necessarily aligned with your goals. A realtor's main uh, main income is coming from selling properties. What they're doing as property managers is almost on the side for them. That's not going to be, you need someone where they're, what they do all day, every day is property management. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to have a lawyer who is well-versed in real estate law, help me out if I'm going to get a divorce. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I want a divorce lawyer if I'm going to get divorced. Mm-hmm. I want a property management company that's going to manage my properties. And then you're going to find out, you want to find out their fees. What do they charge for? Some just get charged the, the flat, the, the percentage, the percent to, okay, it's the 8% or 10% or 12% of the rent. Some might charge you for having to go, if a tenant calls and says, hey, I, I need, you know, there's a problem. They may charge you to go out and look at it. You don't want that. You don't want to get charged. You don't want to get nickel and dime the whole way through. So find out what their fees are, what they're going to charge you for. And what they could possibly charge you for. And you want to find out, okay, are they, how much are they, are they going to charge you to place a tenant? How much are they going to charge? Because if they're charging to place a tenant, their goals aren't always necessarily aligned with yours because they get paid on the turnover where you lose money on the turnover. Not only are you losing money from not making income, but then when they get a new tenant in, they're taking the first month's rent or the first half month's rent. Now you want to make sure that they make money too, so there are ways, you know, that, that that's a reasonable cost, but just keep that in mind when you're interviewing. And then as you're asking them questions, you're trying to say like, how would you, okay, a tenant calls you at, you get a phone call at, at midnight, you know, who's answering it or, or how do you, 
how do you receive uh, maintenance requests? If they're saying, oh, they, I let them call me, be a little bit leery because you want their system to be as streamlined as possible for them to do a good job. Mm-hmm. If they're getting a maintenance request or coming in via uh, the, on an online system, now it's going to be tracked. They're going to have a place to go back and look at it. It's less likely it's going to get, it's going to fall through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had one property manager who, when I made my choice, uh, I ended up, there were two guys, there were two companies that looked like they were going to be real good. And the one was more expensive, but I knew from other investors that they were very good, but they were going to be significantly more expensive, especially because they had a minimum uh, fee per property, which was going to be more uh, because if I, if I had higher uh, priced rentals, they had a minimum, I think charge of $125, right? Mm -hmm. So if my, property was 1250 a month, that's 10%. A lot of my properties are less than that. So now I'm getting charged more than 10% mm-hmm. because they, for them, it wasn't worth it to do it for less. They also hired a realtor. He's like, look, I don't get into the placing the tenants. I hire a realtor who goes and finds the tenants for me. Problem with that is the realtor gets paid as soon as he finds a tenant. So the tenant gets it put, put in there, but the realtor doesn't have to deal with the tenant afterwards. So the realtor's just thinking, who can I get in there as fast as possible? when the property manager is going to be the one that has to deal with it. So if the property manager is placing the tenant, they know they're at least going to be sniff screening a little harder than a, than a realtor would because they're going to have to deal with this person once they move in. Mm-hmm. And the, I think that was one of the two jobs that you said you should reserve for yourself, right? Is, is screening the tenants and leasing. Right? Some, some do. I don't because once again, I run out of time. Okay. Um, when I was at one point I, w- I was, I had maybe two or three going at the same time where I'm, even though I'm not answering the initial emails because an auto reply goes about, I still have to read all their responses and then schedule them uh, for, for their showings mm-hmm. and then make all, do all the background calling afterwards. And it was eating up all my time to the point where I wasn't finding new properties. I wasn't focusing on my advertising. I wasn't focusing on following up with, with right. potential sellers. And so that's why I had to hire it out. Gotcha. Um, so, so in that switch, um, you know, you, I think you said it can take around a month to, to like actually fully transition to the property management company. Um, what happens in that month? Like what sorts of things do you need to provide to the management company? Like, uh, so my property management company will, if, if we have to evict somebody, they'll go to the eviction, uh, they'll go to the court, they'll go to court on my behalf. Mm -hmm. So I make sure that I have the certificate of rental suitability and the rental license in their hands. So I'm, you know, I, I take care of getting it set up on my end mm-hmm. and then I just email a copy over to them so they have it so they can present it in court. Uh, I, uh, all the security deposits, mm-hmm. you don't have to send the money to them, but you got to send them, Hey, look, if there's any been, there's been any, you need to set up like, all right, this property has this much in the security deposit. This property has this much in the security deposit. We, I think we ran into a snag at one point. My, I think I didn't. I don't think my record keeping with my security deposits was up to date when I sent it over, and so I'd raised rent, and the property manager didn't realize that this tenant had been there for a few years, mm-hmm. and so when they moved in, you know, rent was eight fifty, and when they were moving out, it was nine fifty, and so they were going to 
give them back the 950 or they were deducting off the 950. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa actually it's only 850 in, that's in the security deposit. So they had to quickly go back and talk to the tenant, like, hey, look, we made a mistake. And the tenant understood because the tenant knew that they only put 850 in the security deposit. But that's something that you need to stay on top of and let your property manager know how much is in there. Once they're in, the likelihood of them getting renter's insurance is less because they're already in. There's, there's no reason for them to get it. Mm-hmm. But I do require it it's just a matter of me remembering to have that in my checklist of them actually getting it. Right. Gotcha. So it sounds like your answer is yes. When you remember. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. If you have a better system than I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Great. That concludes my conversation with Matt wall about property management and the differences between doing it yourself and contracting out. I hope you learned a little bit more about positive real estate development. Next week, I'll be speaking with city planner for the Upper North and Upper Northwest Districts of Philadelphia, Ian Haggerty, about the 2035 plan and how district plans can impact developers. The interviews on this program are recorded during Jumpstart Germantown's weekly Jumpinar series, which takes place via Zoom webinar every Monday night at 7 p.m. If you'd like to participate in the live Q&A with our guest, be sure to head to jumpstartgermantown.com events and register for next week's Jumpinar. And if you're interested in starting a Jumpstart program in your own community, visit gojumpstart.org and see our how-to guide and open source training workbook. Thanks so much for listening to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show on Germantown Community Radio, WRGU 92.9 FM. And be sure to tune in next week.